Hello and welcome from Kirkgate Church. Here are the intimations for the week commencing Sunday the 14th of March. Firstly, an invitation is always extended to join us either by video or phone for our Sunday service via Zoom at half past ten. Joining details are on the website and are in the church magazine. It will also be available to watch live via YouTube, with a recording of it available shortly afterwards on the website and also on YouTube. The pre-recorded audio service is still available via our Twilio phone service and all the podcasting sites as well. Next Sunday, the 21st of March, our service will incorporate the Sacrament of Holy Communion and you are warmly invited to join us for that and to have some bread and some wine or juice to hand for the Act of Communion. Another reminder that you can join us on Tuesday or Wednesday mornings every week for our informal Zoom chat sessions between half ten and half eleven. As you will have heard, the government have announced that places of worship will be allowed to reopen from Palm Sunday, the 28th of March. It is our hope that Kirkgate will reopen on that date, but we will confirm details for Palm Sunday onwards next week. We will be having our Daffodil Cross once again this year at the front of the church, and it should be available from the Wednesday of Holy Week, and we're inviting anyone to come along and add some daffodils to the cross during that time uh, from the Wednesday onwards in Holy Week. Just come through the church gates and add some daffodils into the cross so that we can create a lovely sight for everyone passing by. These are all the intimations, and our service with Nigel will begin after the opening voluntary once again the Lenten hymn, 40 Days and 40 Nights. Thank you. friends we come to worship God together this morning today the 14th of March 2021 our fourth Sunday in the season of Lent I hope that the good news of a possibility of coming back together to worship uh, on Palm Sunday is well received on your side Um, let's just continue to pray and trust God You know, like I've always said, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And we believe Christ is present. Christ is at work. And as we begin this service this morning, hear these words. 
We come as friends to this holy day. We come to offer thanks. We come to sing and pray. We come as friends to this set-apart time, a time to remember those we love and committing them to God, a time to remember the holy promises of God. We come to be fair this morning, the feasts we share with many. So let us worship God as we sing together. God, we praise you. Hymn 120, God, we praise you. Thank you very much, uh, Stuart, for that beautiful hymn. And now Andrew, Andrew Bruce is going to lead us in the prayer of adoration and praise. Over to you, Andrew.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Let us pray. God of hope, your steadfast love endures forever. We give you thanks that time after time you break into the darkness of our world and of our lives with signs of your everlasting love. You bring light, sometimes the nearest flicker that brings us a focus, other times a brightening glow that confronts us with the reality of your presence. Living, loving, ever-present God, you journey with your people through every time and season. You remain faithful, dependable and true. When we look to you, often we are enabled to see the way ahead. You make the darkness light and turn sorrow into joy. God of all the universe, you draw alongside us, weeping with us, gently cradling our pain, reaching out to heal and to hold. And forgive us, O God, when we forget your love for ourselves and for others. Forgive us when we hoard or discard resources out of the rich bounty that you have given us. Forgive us when we fail to see our connectedness to you and to our neighbour. Bring us back to you time after time. Stop us in our tracks and confound us with love. Until worn down, we fix our eyes upon you, the God of our salvation. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever. Amen. Thank you very much, Andrew, for, for, for leading us in the presence of God and in praying. Now, friends, before we turn to our scripture reading today in John chapter 3 verse 14 to 21 i need to say a few words about the book and the author you know john's gospel contains a number of features that are not found in other gospels and amongst many things you will see that uh, john is clearly showing us whenever you read that he is someone who was very close to Jesus. He was very close. He was a close friend to Jesus. And also, John, by the way, he was the last apostle who survived of all the apostles or the disciples of Jesus. And there's something so fascinating about why, why the book or the gospel was written we find in John chapter 20, verse 30 through to 31. And I think this is important for us before we read. John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's written for us so that we may believe. And secondly, not only believing, but just believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and by believing, we may have life in his name. Now, with this in mind, we we come to one passage that I want to just briefly read for you prior to our John 3, 14 to 21 that we're going to read just now. And Jesus says one of the profound statements that we find in the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 2, we read beginning in verse 23. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But in verse 24, we read, Jesus did not believe in them. In other words, they trusted Jesus, but Jesus would not trust them. You would think that when people take a step towards Jesus, he would meet them halfway, but he doesn't. The problem is Jesus is all-knowing. And the problem is that people believe because they have seen miracles. They don't believe because they love Jesus. And if they believe because they have seen miracles, miracles performed before them, this leads to faith by sight. And faith does not come that way. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So friends, we now come to hear God's word read to us so that we may have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So I'm going to hand over to Stuart to read for us. John 3 verse 14 through to 21. The first reading this week is from John chapter 3, reading from verses 14 to 21. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to be its judge, but to be its saviour. Those who believe in the Son are not judged, but those who do not believe have already been judged, because they have not believed in God's only Son. This is how the judgment works. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds are evil. Those who do evil things hate the light and will not come to the light because they do not want their evil deeds to be shown up. But those who do what is true come to light in order that the light may show that what they did was in obedience to God. Our second reading this week is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, reading from verses 1 to 10. In the past, you were spiritually dead because of your disobedience and sins. At that time, you followed the world's evil way. You obeyed the ruler of the spiritual powers in space, the spirit who now controls the people who disobey God. Actually, all of us were like them and lived according to our natural desires, doing whatever suited the wishes of our own bodies and minds. 
In our natural condition, we, like everyone else, were destined to suffer God's anger. But God's mercy is so abundant, and his love for us is so great, that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought life to us with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. In our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. He did this to demonstrate for all time to come the extraordinary greatness of his grace in the love he showed us in Christ Jesus. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that no one can boast about it. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. Amen, and thanks be to God for the reading of his word. Thank you very much, uh, Stuart, for that uh, beautiful reading. And now as we think about what we have heard read to us, God speaking to us, we tend to sing and praise God as we say, change my heart, O God. Change my heart, O God. Let us sing together. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O Oh, 
thank you very much, um, Stuart, for, for that beautiful hymn. Once again, we declare, change our hearts, O God, as we hear you once again through the sermon and further readings and so on. Now, this morning, my sermon is entitled, Look, Look, Look. Now, of all the people that saw Jesus' miracles during the Passover, there was one man who wanted to go deeper. One man who watched Jesus and heard him speak and saw him perform miracles. And that man said, I need to get what this man has. He did not know how to approach Jesus. And of course, we know that he approached him by night. And this man was an old man. He was a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish council. He was a man known for his success. He was looked up to by many people. So he comes and he wants to learn something from Jesus. He was the kind of man everyone wanted around, especially their children. The question is, what was his religion? I can almost say his religion in few words. His religion was good deeds. Good deeds. The religion of good deeds say, try your best. It say, try harder. It says, you can do better. So Nicodemus knew this very well. So he comes to Jesus and says, God is with you and he is not with me. Why not? Why is this like this? Why is that you know God and the power of God is in you and not in my life, in my life? We are both Jews and we are both teachers. Why are you so unique? We believe in the same God. And then Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, this morning, our focus will be from verses 14 through to 21. But there is a powerful verse we did not read in verse 13, which reads as follows. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So there's something unique about Jesus. He came from heaven. If I can pause here for a second and say, an ascent into heaven entails a pure knowledge of the mysteries of God. Secondly, it also means that the light of spiritual understanding is given to him. So Jesus is teaching He's teaching here that the natural man does not grasp the things of God. So in verse 14 we read, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Lifted up. Lifted up means to be set in an outstanding and eminent place so as to be open to everybody's view. Maybe you have not read the Old Testament passage in Numbers 21 verse 1 to 9. This is what happened. Israel sinned before God. 
Israel is ungrateful in the face of God's extraordinary generosity and the provisions for them. And we see something of the seriousness of Israel's sin in verse 4. At the end of verse 4 we read, The people became impatient on the way and the people spoke against God and against Moses. They said something like this. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and there is no water and we hate this worthless food. So what do they do? They don't acknowledge God's power. They don't appreciate his generosity. They don't recognize his mercy. They don't accept his sovereignty and they don't trust his word all rolled up into one. That's how sinful their sin is. But my friends, understand that every time we sin, we do the same thing. Every time we sin, every time we decide that we're going to do it our way and not God's way, we are doing the exact same thing as Israel. In verse 6 of Numbers 21, we read this. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. Here we see, we see the just judgment of God. When Israel complained about the adversity of their circumstances, what does God do? He sends them more adversity. The people of God say, things are bad. God goes, oh yes, you think things are bad? You want to see how bad things can get? You don't think things can get worse? Watch this. And we know God sends snakes and the Israelites are not happy. And in verse 7 we read, The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed. He prayed for the people. And God responded in verses 8 to 9. You see, God's provision of mercy. And this is what God says. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and leave. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and leave. Now here, all they did was what? Look. Just look. They look away from themselves and to this symbol, this sign God has provided. So we turn back to John 3 verse 14, where we read again Jesus saying, as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And verse 15 says that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The question is, 
Is this not the essential act of faith? Looking to Christ. Looking away from ourselves, from our good deeds and our bad deeds, and looking to Him alone. Surely this is one of the reasons why Jesus will point, will point to, to this passage when He is trying to explain faith to Nicodemus. In other words, Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as the people had to look at the brass serpent, Simply trust on God's word of promise that if you will look at the serpent, you will be saved. So also we will, we must look to Christ and Him crucified and we will be saved. When Jesus had said all these things, they turned to Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, I'm saying to you, look to me, to the Son of Man. For anyone who does not look to the Son of Man will not live. And having said that, he goes on to say the most popular passage that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now this is one of the most well known, if not the most used passage in all the scripture. I strongly believe that there is no better passage than this for explaining the gospel. The gospel tells us three important things. The surprising love of God to sinners. The lavish gift of God through Christ. And thirdly, the gracious promises of God. Now we know we know that we are sinners and we know that we deserve to be punished for that sin. In Romans 5, Paul says this, while we were still weak, while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, God demonstrated his love for us in that he gave his only son. We are weak, sinful. And at an enmity with God. And every human being deep down inside, they know that. We know that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And yet for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I want to finish with Charles Spurgeon's testimony. He tells a story about a shoemaker who went up into the pulpit to preach and he read from the book of Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22 from the King James Version. And this is what the shoemaker read. Look unto me and be ye served all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there's none else. According to Spurgeon, the shoemaker did not even pronounce the words rightly, but that did not matter. For Spurgeon, there was a glimpse of hope for him in the text itself that this man read. So at least for Spurgeon, he was able to look through the, the passage and read through as this man was fumbling and trying to say, Someday. 
But this man, the shoemaker, began to preach and said, My dear friends, this is a very simple passage indeed. It says, look. Now, that does not take a deal of effort, does it? It isn't lifting your foot or your finger. It is just, look. Well, a man need not go to college to learn to look. You may be the biggest fool, and yet you can look. A man need not be worth a thousand years to look. Anyone can look. A child can look. But this is what the text says. Look unto me, the shoemaker said. Many of us are looking to ourselves. No use looking there. You will never find comfort in yourself. Then the good man followed up his text in this way. Look unto me. I am sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me. Look unto me. I'm hanging on the cross. Look, I'm dead and buried. Look unto me. I arise again. Look unto me. I ascend. I am sitting at the Father's right hand. Oh, look to me. Look to me. Look to me. And I want to end this sermon this morning by saying, Look, anyone who looks unto Christ will be saved. Look unto him. He is the resurrected Messiah. Look. Look to the cross. Look, it's empty. The cross has no Christ on it. It's empty. He's alive. Look, 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 look. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, just as Moses prayed for your people, we come together in prayer, looking upon us with care and compassion. Shine your light on us that we might live. Out of the darkness of fear, your people seek support and reassurance. As the world continues to struggle with war, with poverty, with this pandemic, with hate, we pray for all those who are fearful, for all those who are wondering what tomorrow may bring. Help them to have hope, inspire them and guide them and grant us the strength to be constant companions to all those in need of your love. In a time of confusion and strife, when our communities and societies are struggling to find a new purpose, a new way of caring for those around them and loving those around them and loving one another, we pray for all those who are frustrated, those who desire a different atmosphere, a more peaceful world, more compassion and communities and a more equal society. Lord. Reach out to us. We pray for all those who are angry. For those who who see and know injustice. But have little power to create change. We pray for all those who have been left behind in communities. And a society of great wealth and education for some. 
and poverty and exclusion for others. Please, Lord, reach out to us. Help each and every one of us to have a sense of satisfaction and justice in your eternal love and understanding and grant us the strength to be constant companions to all those in need of your love. Lord, as our world changes and your church continues to search for its place at the heart of our communities, we pray for those seeking wisdom, seeking a way forward, seeking to carry out your mission and spread your word and carry out your love to the whole world. Help them to find new paths and reinvigorate what they have long known and grant us the strength to be constant companions to all those in need of your love. Lord, heal our land. Heal the sick, the brokenhearted. Reach out to us and remind us it is well. It is well with our souls. All these things we pray for and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We close our service this morning by singing the most popular song. And what a fitting song to end our service with as we remind each other of the grace of God. We sing together hymn triple five, Amazing Grace.
thank you very much, um, Stuart, for that lovely hymn. And now this is the time when you look around you, look at people around you, whoever is around you, if it's family, it's your wife or spouse or your husband or your children, your grandchildren, as you're listening to this message, may you just look at them as I pro- pronounce benediction to all of us. And now, let us rejoice. God so loved the world. May God, your maker, send you back into the world with creative energies refreshed. May Christ the light illuminate your fearful moments. And may the Holy Spirit of steadfast love guide you until we worship together again. The blessing of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us today and forevermore. Amen, amen, amen.